Lord, thank you for bringing us together this evening, and I do pray that we would lift each other up in prayer. Um, I know oftentimes I feel very guilty about not praying enough for um, just people in our church in general. Um, It's easy just to get busy and to focus on the things that are in front of us too much that it takes up a lot of our hearts and a lot of our mind. And I pray that we would be disciplined enough to um, just stop ourselves and to be considerate of each other and to be praying for one another and some of the things that, that we're working through personally um, and even corporately as a church. Thinking about this vision of seeing things from your perspective, uh, it's very important that we um, just get these things in order in our minds and to really care for one another. So be with us tonight as we open up your word and help us just to um, take the things away that you want us to take away and apply into our lives in order to edify your body, to lift each other up, and to glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, so real quick, before we get into the details for tonight, I did want to share a little bit about what we're going to be doing over the next four weeks. So for those of you that heard on Sunday morning that we're going to be doing something different on Wednesday night, um, I have been tasked with teaching a four-week class and it was originally intended for adults. And so the idea is, is that you have adults that have finished discipleship, but they have not found someone to disciple yet. And so this class is designed to get them thinking a little bit outside the box, have a different perspective on how to get a disciple and how to make their own and not just wait for the church to give them a disciple. Um, and so we came up with a four-week kind of curriculum of, of what we wanted to do and how we thought it best to accomplish that. And I'm going to be teaching that class in the auditorium. So as we were working through the details of it, uh, I threw it out to Tim, and I was talking about it amongst our leaders about how it would it be appropriate to incorporate some of the singles and some of the high school into that class. And so here's where we ended up. Um, starting next Wednesday, if you have finished discipleship, if you have finished discipleship and you are able at this point to disciple a junior higher, I would like you to attend that class. Uh, I know that's a handful of you guys that are in here, and so I'd like you guys to participate in that class just so that way you can go through it and start to understand. Because by the time you're finished with youth discipleship, you should have a proper mindset of what it means to be discipled and how to lead someone else in order to walk with the Lord. So with that, this can give you some extra tools in, in, in your life as you talk with people at school and as you have opportunities to possibly say, hey, you know what, are you interested in being discipled? And how would you go about doing something like that? So um, if that's you, I would love for you to be able to attend that class. Yeah, Jack? How long is the junior high discipleship? It's six months, right? Uh, it really just depends. I mean, it's hard to put a time frame on it. There's a total of five lessons, and each are, they have two parts to each lesson. And so it really depends on how that all works out. So it could take six months, could take a year, could take a couple years, depending on who you have and the relationship that you build. So... Um, but if that's something that, that you hit that kind of criteria, that you have finished discipleship, I want you guys to be in that class with me in the sanctuary, all right? Same thing with the singles. Um, once you graduate and you start doing the adult discipleship, the way that it's designed is that as you work through the lessons, when you hit lesson five, you start to learn the concepts of being a discipler and start actively looking for someone to disciple. So anyone in the singles that has either finished adult discipleship or has hit that lesson five mark, they're going to be in the class as well. And then we have a whole bunch of adults that are going to be in there as well. So we have a, a right around, as far as signed up, about 90 people right now that are signed up for that class. So it's going to be a big group, but it's going to be interactive. And so we're going to be doing about 20, 25 minutes of teaching and then breaking things down and doing some interactive stuff together and then bringing everybody back together and having some goals for the following week. So I'm looking forward to it. For those of you that are not going to be a part of that, what we're going to do is um, starting next Wednesday for four weeks, you guys, everyone's going to go into the singles room. 
So the singles that are not going to be part of my class and the senior high that are not part of my class as well, um, Bobby and Tim are going to take the material that I'm teaching to the adults and they're going to change it slightly. And the focus is how to be an effective minister. So some of the principles are exactly the same, uh, but it's going to change once you get to the third and the fourth week. And so I think it's going to be something that will bring us together as a ministry and just get us more uh, thinking creatively about how to reach people and how to care for people better. Um, and how to maybe open up doors to share the gospel better, um, how to talk about what discipleship is to people that are already saved, but maybe they go to a different church, um, all sorts of things like that. So I really think this is going to be something that will help the singles out tremendously, and I think it's something that will help us out as well as we start the new year and as we finish out the school year headed into summer camp. So I'm really excited about it. Something a little bit different we're going to do for four weeks, and then we'll bring it back together after the four weeks is over, and we'll just keep, keep going with the spiritual gifts. All right? So, next week, we won't meet in here. You guys are going to meet in the singles room. And depending on the size and stuff, you guys will work through that, whether we need to get creative on that. And then if you're going to be part of my class, then we're going to be meeting in the sanctuary at 7 o'clock. All right? All right, so something a little bit different. And uh, I like a little bit different. It changes up the routine and helps us to see things from a different perspective. All right. So, any questions on that? Okay, sweet. All right. So tonight we're going to be covering uh, just one gift tonight. We're going to be talking about the confirming gift because we already spent some time a few weeks ago talking about how uh, healing and miracles and tongues and interpretation of tongues is no longer in operation today during the church age, during this age of grace that we're in right now. And we talked about why. Um, But what is left over from the confirming gift section is this one on discerning of spirits. So we're going to talk about what that is. And uh, really biblically what that means, and then maybe you can evaluate whether or not you have that one or not. And so if you uh, had missed some of the other ones, we're going to get the uh, podcast up and running. I haven't put the ones out there yet from the previous weeks, but I'm going to try to do that before the end of this week so that way you can get caught up on the ones that you possibly have missed. Okay, so discerning of spirits. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. Yes, no. Okay, I'm glad it's a competition. I'm pretty sure you got an extra jewel in your crown for getting it first. Okay, okay. All right. So, now that we are comparing ourselves among ourselves, which the Bible says is not wise, let's go ahead and actually see what the Bible has to say. Okay, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. All right, so talking about the gifts of the Spirit, in verse 10 it says, To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. So we're going to focus on the one in the middle, the discerning of spirits. And remember, remember, I mentioned this last week, that verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit, or the gifts that the Spirit gives, that they are given to every man to profit with all. This is very important for you guys to remember as we work through this because of our Laodicean mindset that God has given me a gift and I find my value and my purpose in that gift. No, that is not what it's for. It is not to serve you. It is to serve everybody else and is to benefit everybody else as you walk with the Spirit of God and you exercise this. So really the first question is, I mean, if you want to know what gift you have from God, are you walking with God? Are you spending time with him? 
Do you have an active relationship with him? It's easy to get caught up in the busyness of our life and to not have a real relationship with God. And just read just because I'm supposed to read. And I'm praying because I'm just supposed to pray. It's not right. We shouldn't do that. It should be something that's real. And there are times in my life where I've been very guilty of that. I can get so busy in ministry tasks and ministry things that I need to accomplish and people that I need to meet and things that I need to do that I forget. Hold on a second. This is about having a relationship with God. And if I don't have that mentality, it's only a matter of time before I sin against him. And so we need to make sure to remember that. That if you start to sense that you don't have a a connection with God in your heart between you and him and having a good relationship as you would with another person, then you need to work on that. You need to be honest with God about that and get right. Because as you walk with God and you're in submission to him, then he's given you a gift for you to work out to benefit the rest of the body. And also, that also means you have to be involved. You got to be involved in this youth ministry. You got to be involved in our church. How can you ever exercise your gift if you don't use it among the body? It's for the body. So if you're never among the body or you don't make it a priority to be at church, well, then you can never use the gift that God gave you. So these are just some things to think about as we continue to work through it. All right, so discerning of spirits. Okay, so this is the supernatural ability to perceive the why behind what is said and done in any given situation in order to help the body of Christ. It's that supernatural ability to perceive the why behind what is said and done. Now, there are many times when people come into my life and they'll say and they'll do things, and sometimes you're like, why would they do that? You know, or why was that said? Or, 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 or what was the purpose of that? And I have been in circumstances with people, especially people that eventually ended up leaving our church, that you kind of look back on and you're like, what was the motive of their heart behind that, behind doing this or making that decision that then led to the point where they left our church? Those things are not easily discerned. And the reason why they're not easily discerned is because in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that God is not the author of confusion. Spiritual warfare is designed to confuse you so that way you don't know what's right and wrong. And if you don't know what's right and wrong, then chances are you're going to make the decision that appeases your flesh, which is going to be the wrong decision. And so if you're in a situation where you're making a decision and you're starting to justify your decision, even though you know God clearly says otherwise... I mean, you're going to cause a huge mess. It's going to be confusing. It's confusing. And God is very clear. God is very clear. The issue is, are we actually going to listen to what he says? And so someone that has this gift has the ability to cut through all the nonsense and say, that's why this is happening. And that's why it's supernatural. It's not something that you can just know on your own based upon facts and circumstances. The Spirit of God knows the hearts and the intents of that person. And he's given that person the ability to understand why that person is doing it. And some people have this gift, and it's just, it's tremendous. They're able just to call things out really quickly. Um, But as you walk with God, because it's the Spirit of God, He can also give this ability. I have been in many circumstances where, and some of you know this just from talking with me, because I've done this in your life, where I've been in a circumstance where I've sat back and I've listened to you speak about a circumstance or something that's going on in your life, and I'm like, here's my take on it, and this is what's going on. Am I right? And then generally, like, Yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's cutting through all the nonsense to get down to what is the core issue here? Why am I not walking with God? Or why, why is this so difficult for me? Or why? And so there are certain people that just have this ability and it's given to them by God. All right, so let's talk about this definition. So we got to talk about discerning and we got to talk about what the Bible says about spirits. Okay, so discerning. It's being able to perceive, being able to perceive the difference between two things. 
So if you have discernment, you're able to perceive or understand the difference in between two things. And in this context, it's the things that are right and that are wrong, godly and ungodly. And there's some great examples that are here. Um, let's get some volunteers to read. So someone take Genesis 27:23. Sam, uh, 1 Kings 3, 9. You got that one. Uh, Malachi 3, 18. Who wants that one? Jack. And then everybody else go to Hebrews. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5, verse 14. <clears throat> All right, listen to Genesis 27, 23. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Okay, so you have Jacob and Esau, and they go to their father, and you have Jacob who's being deceitful, and he wants the blessing. And his father is not able to discern, is this Jacob or is this Esau? And so based on the facts of the circumstance, he feels his arm. He's like, well, he feels like he's got a bunch of hair. That's Esau. It's not Jacob. Jacob's smooth like butter. But Esau, man, he's rough. It's like sandpaper. So he feels him, and he's like, well, it, I mean, it sounds like it's Jacob, but he feels like Esau. And so he even smells him. He's like, and he even smells like Esau because they messed with the scent of him, you know, as he was by his father. And so he deceived him, and so he couldn't discern the difference between the two boys. First Kings 3.9. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy, this, thy so great people? Okay, that's Solomon. He's praying to God. He's like, God, give me discernment. Give me a heart that I can discern between good and evil so I can lead your people. That's a great prayer that he could ask. Malachi 3.18. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Okay, again, discernment between the righteous and the wicked. And then lastly, Hebrews 5, 14, it says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so as you're in obedience to God, he can give you more and more and more discernment as you're more and more submissive to him. And as you use that knowledge that he's given you and that wisdom, it gives you that discernment to know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Because it's not easy sometimes to make decisions between what's right and wrong. Not always. Especially when our flesh gets in the midst and we want to justify, well, I, I really, I want this. But our emotions can cloud circumstances and make us feel as if I'm justified in my reasons. And I can even make my reasons sound godly. When really, eh, come on, let's be honest. I mean, you can paint anything with a God brush and put, you know, yep, my decision is justified. Baloney. Come on. Think through this. Is that actually something that makes sense? And biblically speaking, have some discernment. And so sometimes we have to go through terrible circumstances because of our lack of discernment in order to learn the difference between what's right and wrong. But it doesn't have to be that way if we would just apply God's wisdom. So that's discerning, the being able to perceive the difference. And then spirits. This would be the true motive, the true motive of people that causes them to say and do certain things. So the spirit inside of a man, and probably the best one to look at this one would be 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because it's impossible for you to judge the motives of, of someone's heart. It's absolutely impossible. But God can. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, let's see here. Verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 
But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. See, God knows everything. The Spirit of God searches all things, and he especially knows the deep things of God. Now look at verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Well, that's simple. Like, if you were to be honest, if I were to come into your life and say, okay, you made this decision, and then I were to say to you, well, you made the decision because of X, Y, and Z, how can I actually know that on my own? I can't know that. Like, when someone says, I'm saved, okay, I can look at their life and say, well, I mean, based on the pattern of their life and what I see, I may doubt that, but I dare not say that they're not saved. How can I do that? I'm not in God's place. I don't know the motive of their heart. I mean, someone can be just flat out disobedient and rebellious and they could look lost. Now, if there's a pattern of it, I could be convinced in my heart, I don't think they're saved. But I can't flat out just say, oh, that person's definitely not saved. That is ridiculous. That is God's call, not mine. If a person says that they've made a profession of faith, they've come to a point of decision and they've trusted Christ as their savior, then I operate based on their profession. Outside of that, that's God's dealing. God deals with them and he can convict them on anything that he wants to convict them on. The spirit of God is way more wise than me. So you need to understand that. But there should be evidence on the same, on the same side of it. So it's one of those things where you can't really know the motive. So it says, what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit which is in him? So if you were to be honest between you and God, you know what's going on in your heart. You know the motives of why you want to do what you want to do. But the issue is, and this is the problem that we have, is that we lie to ourselves so much and so long that we start to believe those lies. And then we justify our behavior thinking it's not that bad. And the reality is that we've tuned out God when God's spirit is already convicting us. We know what the truth is, but we've ignored it. And we've started to lie and justify to make ourselves feel better about our decisions. And that's the issue that we have. So if you were to be honest, you know why you do what you do. You just need to be honest. And most people are not willing to be honest. And so it's, it continues, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So those of us that are born again, you have the spirit of God inside of you. And he has the ability to give you insight into everything, everything, if we're willing to listen to what he has to say. So it's kind of cool. I love that. Okay, so those with this spiritual discernment, they can interpret statements, situations, environments, and people to determine if they are righteous or unrighteous, or godly or selfish. Um, they just have that gift. They have that ability to do it. And there's certain people that are, they have that ability uh, much quicker and more instantly than others. And that's what the next point talks about. Someone with this supernatural gift can apply it more instantly to people and situations, and exercising this gift can protect the body of Christ from false prophets. And those would be people whose spirits are not right who are seeking to influence you or others. You know, sometimes you might hear a false teaching or something that's unbiblical, and you really like, you know what, I really can't put my finger on what's wrong with that, but I'm not really sure. And then you can be easily duped into thinking that it's biblical. But someone that actually has this discerning spirit can come in and say, no, that is not right, that is ungodly, has nothing to do with the Bible, and it needs to go. Pastor Tom's great at that. So that's something that God has gifted him as our senior pastor to really protect our church. But there are many people in our church that have this gift as well. They hear something and they're like, nope, not true. That is not true because I know what the Bible says. And the spirit inside of them also tells them, hey, listen, you know this scripture, you know that scripture, you know that scripture. That is completely off. And so that's something that really benefits the whole body. All right, so let's take a look at a couple examples. So you got Jesus, um, and I want to look at some of these other ones, but Jesus... 
you know, these passages are fantastic. There's a couple in there where it talks about how he just knew. He knew the thoughts of their heart. Like they said something. John 3 is probably one of the greatest examples. It's not written here. But in John 3, you had, um, you had Nicodemus come to him by night. And he asked him. He just says a statement. And then Jesus comes back and he says, unless you be born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom of God. Like, wait a minute. He didn't, like, the, what Nicodemus just said doesn't match up with Jesus' answer. That's because Jesus knew what question he was asking. And so he went ahead and just answered it. So that was kind of cool. But over and over, the Pharisees would say something, and Jesus says, knowing their thoughts, knowing their hearts, and then he responded. So you can see how that operated in Jesus' life. Um, this one's neat. Go to Acts 8. We can see Peter and John with Simon the sorcerer. Acts 8. All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So he thought that he could just buy the Holy Ghost. Verse 19, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive, there it is, the perceiving, that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. How did he know that? I mean, how did he possibly know that? The Spirit of God inside Peter gave him the wisdom to understand stuff about Simon the sorcerer that is not naturally explained. So he said something, and boom, this is exactly what Simon needed to hear. And then Simon, verse 24, then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And then they continued on. So we don't know what happened with Simon the sorcerer, per se, but here we see that he was very selfish, he was bitter, and he was in this bond of iniquity because he had power over these people because of his sorcery. And all of a sudden, Peter and John show up, and they actually have legit power from God, and now he's angry. And he's bitter. And he's like, give me that power because he's losing his influence. And so Peter steps in and he's like, dude, you are way off. And he cuts him right to the heart about the issue of the matter. That's supernatural. So Peter had that gift at this point in time. And then you got Barnabas and Saul with uh, Bar-Jesus or Elamus. It's in Acts 13. Take a look at that one. Acts 13. Verse 6. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, again, another sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. See, he's a false prophet. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist 
and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. And then it kind of continued. So this guy was a false prophet seeking to turn this guy away from being saved. And Paul steps in and he calls him out immediately and says, dude, you are off. You be blind. And then he looked blind. That's my version of it. But anyway, he had that ability. And so that's what we're talking about with this discerning of spirits. And then lastly, you got Paul with this young devilish damsel in chapter 16 of Acts. Verse 16 of chapter 16, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, so she could kind of foretell the future and, and at least elements of it, and she was able to do some things as far as fortune-telling and all that kind of stuff. So gained by soothsaying, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, this is a great side note. Devils will use the truth to manipulate people and keep them deceived. In case you didn't see that one there. Satan is good at what he does, and his devils are very good at what they do. And if they can declare truth in order to get someone entangled and keep them lost or keep them defeated, they will do it. They will use anything to try to keep you deceived. And this, verse 18, did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And then, of course, this caused a huge uproar because these guys are not making any more money because of what Paul did in that situation. But he perceived that there was something else that was going on here, and he ended up casting out that devil out of that girl. So uh, Paul had that ability to discern what was really going on at that time. So these are just some examples that you find in Scripture. Um, but you can see examples of this that have happened in, in your own life, I'm sure, or different people. You know, there are times, like I've said, where I've been in situations where all of a sudden it was just kind of like, boom, I know what to do in this situation. There's other times where I haven't. And I've had to go to different people and say, hey, this is what's going on. What do you think? And I've had people give me great answers on how to handle certain stuff. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And so it's really helped me be able to minister properly within the body. All right. So let her see. This gift is the ability to criticize. <laughs> is that a gift to criticize? Yes. This gift is the ability to criticize or to find fault. And it generally does not turn off. So those with this gift can discern comments and situations with people uh, their spirits all the time, which can become very tiresome. It can be tiresome to be around people that have this gift because they always kind of call things out all the time with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's one of the <laughs> And so that's where you've got to understand that there is an upside and there's also a downside to this. It could be something that could cause relationship issues um, because they don't have the ability to turn these things off all the time. But uh, the next point here, people with this gift can be considered judgmental if they're voicing strong opinions with little or no evidence. And so what they need to learn how to do is how to try the spirits and wait as things unfold. So look at 1 John chapter 4. God tells every Christian to do this, but people that have this gift, it's important that they uh, really try to learn how to do this as well. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 1, somebody read it. Noah. Chapter 4, right? Yeah. Okay. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Okay. So you need to try the spirits. So when people say certain things, you know what a good habit to get in? 
when people say something or a circumstance unfolds, this is what you need to do. You take it all in, you observe, you know what's going on, and then you take your Bible and you measure that up with what the Word of God says. That's what you need to do. Because the Spirit of God and the Bible are going to agree together. He wrote the book. And so there are certain things in my own heart, in my own life, especially if I'm I'm giving counsel to somebody about a circumstance or a situation, that I often, I need to go back to what does the Bible say because I don't want to lead them down the wrong direction. And so here you have this one. Don't believe every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. And the only way you can try the spirits is by the word of God and what the Bible actually says. And then um, this last point here, those with this gift must be careful because their perception may not always be 100%. And God may be working in people who are speaking falsely. And there's a high level of deceit in those situations, making it harder to discern. And so you got to be careful. You got to really, really be careful. And you got to learn how to how to balance this thing out because um, some people can just be uh, very brutal in this circumstance and then it ends up cutting that person off completely when really, you know, you got to give, you got to give room for God to work. Um, You know, one of the things that I try to do, especially in a circumstance like this, is that I'll take someone's word at what they say until they're proven untrust and trustworthy. Like if somebody says, this is what's going on, I generally will believe them as long as there's nothing unbiblical about what they're saying until something unfolds where they end up lying. And then I'll make it abundantly clear, because I've been in circumstances like this before, where I've approached someone and say, hey, listen, I mean, you lied to me about this circumstance. And so now how can I trust the things you're saying that are actually true? It takes time to build that trust back. Forgiveness can happen in a moment of time. But when it comes to trust, those things are built over time. So forgiveness, absolutely, it's available. But as far as trusting a person and what they say, that takes time to see how things unfold with a person. But what I'll try to do in those circumstances is that I always understand, listen, I mean, I am no better than this person. I make mistakes as well. And God is still working on me. And so if a person ends up doing something or saying something, I mean, God has abundant room. I'm not just going to completely write them off and say, you know, forget it. I'm done. They're a false prophet. It's over. No, there can be room for correction. It's how the person responds to correction that tells you where their heart's at. But there's always room for someone to come back because God is always working on somebody. Always, always, always. All right, let's take a look at one passage for this one and we'll close out here. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. So John the Baptist, he was a great servant of God, and here he, we find him actually questioning uh, Jesus and the, what the plan is and what God's plan is. And Jesus did not respond harshly to him at all. Verse 1, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? I mean, this was the guy that ushered in Jesus. And now he's like, are you it? Like, are you the one that we're waiting for? Or should we be waiting for somebody else? And Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. See, when I read a passage like this, it makes me think about God and how he treats me. Because I make mistakes. And I, and I make bad judgments, and I question God and stuff. And God is generally very gentle with me. He's like, Stephen, remember, remember. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right, God, I'm not thinking right. I mean, that happened this past week. 
I mean, Monday, outside of the fish tank scenario, um, it, I just struggled Monday. It was a day where I was more in my flesh than I've been in a while, and I, I hated it. And I'm like, God, what is wrong with me? And I just wasn't thinking straight. And God reminded me very gently about who I am and who he is and what I need to be and who I need to be and my heart attitude. And, and it, it's, it hurt. It stunk. But I needed it, and he was very gentle. And frankly, I deserve to be cracked over the head. And thrown into hell. I mean, <laughs> I do, because we're sinners. That's what we deserve. And yet God is gracious to us. And I praise God for Jesus Christ and the mercy that we have through him. Because without that, man, where would we be? And so having this gift of discerning of spirits doesn't mean you shouldn't be merciful to people as well. And really trying to balance that out is very difficult. Very difficult. So maybe you have this gift. Maybe you don't. But that's why we're talking about this. I mean, what do you think? Do you have this gift or not? Do you have the ability to see things and kind of cut through the nonsense to see what's actually going on in people's lives? Or maybe you need to start walking with God and find out that you have this gift or that you don't. And really, for those of you that don't have this gift, you should have someone in your life that does have this gift. You should. Because it's a great accountability factor. Someone that's able to step into your life and say, hey man, you're not living right. It's very important. But if you have that gift, also understand... If you're going to be a jerk about it, you're not going to have very many friends. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you got to really exercise some balance and some humility because God has equipped you to have this gift to build the body and to protect it. And it's very important. It's very, very important. So make sure that you keep all those things in mind. All right. Any questions on this gift? Pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. Any questions on this one? Has anyone ever seen this happen? Give an example. Yeah, Noah. You with me two years ago. <laughs> yeah, in our conversation. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked straightforward about a lot of different things. Yeah, we did. Anybody else seen this one? This gift is in, in operation. It might help everybody else to kind of understand it a little bit better. To Noah. Luke at the mall two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Talking to the Catholic. Yeah. I mean, we kind of want to call it the pastor, but. Luke was able to just literally everything he said was like, nope. And then he was, I don't know, he was pulling scripture like everywhere. And I mean, Luke's pretty good at studying the Bible, but any human pulling that many verses from that many places, yeah, God was definitely helping there. Yeah, sure, sure. All right, any others? Rick, with discipleship. Yeah, yeah. Has it been helpful? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's good. Here's the five. No, I was surprised you were saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, every Wednesday and Sunday. <laughs> no. That's sarcasm. That's not a gift from God. Right. That's just what he's told. Yeah. I mean, I generally care. I mean, I hate all you weekly, but you need to care. You're telling you to criticize. Mindful. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Thank you. But it's important because sometimes these people in our lives, we may not like the things that they have to say, but it's the people that you need because God will never leave you without a witness. Like even if you're about to make a poor decision, God will never leave you without a witness. He will bring someone into your life or a circumstance or something that will give you like, hey, careful, don't do it. Happened in my life before I was, you know, neck deep in my stupid relationship that I shouldn't have gotten into my senior year, yep. I had my friends come to me and say, hey, shouldn't do it. And I justified it, and I walked away doing whatever I wanted to do, and then I paid for it. So you need to really take heed, because God loves you too much to let you make mistakes. 
and he'll put people like this in your life for a reason. It is. It's hard. It's hard. Yep. To love people and yet rip them to shreds. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go ahead and pray. All right. Father, thank you again for your word. And I pray, God, we take these things and uh, really hide them in our hearts that um, you may be glorified. So thank you again. I pray for our upcoming uh, study over the next uh, four weeks. Um, that you would help us just uh, make us better ministers, make us better disciplers, make us better followers of you, make us better disciples, Um, having a heart for this world and for the people around us the right way. Uh, So help us to stay focused this week. Thank you, God, for loving us and for your grace and your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.